G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There are some amazing Christian ministries in the world. Today, an update on one of those most effective evangelistic ministries, not only in the world today, but in the history of the whole world. This past year, even with COVID, Christ for All Nations have documented almost a million decisions for Christ on the continent of Africa. They've just wrapped up their second campaign called Operation Decapolis in Africa with staggering numbers in five mass gospel campaigns. Now, you might be familiar with the name Reinhard Bonnke, who founded Christ for All Nations, and his successor, the evangelist Daniel Kalenda, with a vision to win 150 million souls in the next 10 years. Well, let's get an update today on the ministry of Christ for All Nations. Peter Vandenberg is Vice President of Christ for All Nations. He's been an integral part of the ministry for almost 40 years, first ministering alongside Reinhard Bonnke and now with Daniel Kalender. And I might say a special welcome along to 2020 to you, Peter Vandenberg. Thank you very much indeed, Neil. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you this morning on uh, Christian Media. You're talking to us today, Peter, from Orlando in Florida. Uh, Is that home for you today? Because people will notice your accent is uh, Zimbabwean. (laughs) That is absolutely correct. I was born in Zimbabwe and and grew up there, but you're right. I'm in uh, uh, Orlando, Florida, which is where our uh, um, United States uh, headquarters for Christ for Nations is although we're incorporated in 10 countries around the world, but this is uh, really the heart of it all, and that's where I am right now. Well, when we talk about numbers of people coming to Christ, and you've always had this effort across the whole history of Christ for All Nations to document those people who are making decisions, coming forward at big, large-scale crusades, uh, it is mind-boggling the numbers that are reported for the number of people in Africa. And oftentimes we'll talk about revival and awakening in sub-Saharan Africa uh, particularly. But but if I just uh, put this figure out for listeners, and I'll get your thoughts here, Uh, On your website, Peter, more than 80 million documented decisions over the past 40 years. The number is absolutely huge. Uh, Yes, it's a big number. And uh, it's it's kind of mind-boggling, really, because, you know, who else can even begin to fathom what such a number constitutes? But the reason it's big is that the events are huge. And uh, we, we do them over and over again, five, six, seven, eight a year, and even more now, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, as we are multiplying uh, our effort. And uh, people are coming to Jesus in, in massive, massive numbers. And not only are these numbers, uh, numbers of people who've said, I want to receive Jesus Christ into my life, but they have filled out documented decision cards and have been ushered into the church follow-up 
program. And these people have gone into tens of thousands of churches across Africa and are being discipled according to the Word of God in those churches. So it is amazing. But, you know, it's harvest time. It's really harvest time in in sub-Saharan Africa. And the people are open for the gospel. The Holy Spirit is moving. The power of God is moving. The the uh, 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 work of the Satan is being smashed and broken. And people are turning to Christ, as you can see, in unprecedented numbers. Well, when we talk about the concentration of Christian growth around the world, at one point there, South America was holding its owners having the most number of conversions. But as I understand it, even that's been overtaken by the things that we've been seeing happen uh, in sub-Saharan Africa and across the continental Africa. The numbers across the board, I'm not sure whether you've got those uh, at your fingertips or at front of memory, but, uh, but they're huge right across Africa. Yes, that is absolutely correct. And uh, not only um, uh, are the numbers numbers that that we have and other ministries uh, like us, but if you go on to secular sites about um, uh, the world and populations and and countries and look at the numbers and figures in Africa, you can see that over the last uh, period of about 15, maybe 20 years, many, many of the the 54 countries in Africa have shown in their figures of what the religions are in their countries, you, they show massive increases in the, in the direction of the Christian uh, work. And these are United Nations numbers. So there are obviously people, you know, there's no uh, hidden agenda there. They kind of, the numbers. And uh, it's just uh, wonderful to see what God is doing at this time on the continent, across the continent. And of course, you know, I know that there'll be a level of humility uh, from your ministry, but you were there working alongside Reinhard Bonnke uh, through all of those years and a 40-year history, started out working with Reinhard Bonnke and, and, um, and much of that growth has been through Crusades. Give us some impression here about your work with Reinhardt in those early days and perhaps even you know take us into, and we might not have to, uh, time to explore at all, but at some of the times when there was just uh, unbelievable growth in the number of people who were attending these major Crusades. Yes, uh, it's actually I'm coming up for 41 years now with, with Christ for All Nations, and uh, the majority of that alongside uh, Reinhard Bonke, 39 of those, and of course a, a good number, more than a decade, alongside his successor, Daniel Kalender. In the early days, I joined uh, Reinhardt in 1981. Uh, I was in the United Kingdom at the time, ministering and, and preaching and singing, and uh, Reinhardt's head office that, at that time was in Johannesburg, South Africa, and uh, we, I joined him there. We packed our family up and out we went, and in those days, we, um, evangelism was happening with Reinhardt preaching in what we called the Yellow Tent. It seated about uh, eight to 10,000 people, and we would erect it and go from place to place, one a month, or approximately, uh, events, but the crowds began to grow. As, as people received Jesus, people were being healed, people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit, people were being delivered from, from witchcraft and demon uh, uh, possession, and the word began to get out, and, and the crowds grew so rapidly that the tent was crazy. It was ridiculous. You know, we, they just couldn't fit in. Uh, they, would, they would cram into uh, uh, levels of, of dangerous capacity. And so we said, you know, we need to, to do something bigger. And we set about building 
uh, and we built it ourselves. When we say build it, we didn't get a company. We built it ourselves, the, what became the largest mobile structure in the world. And in fact, it, it uh, was in the Guinness Book of Records. It may still be in there for that matter. A huge tent covering 17,000 square meters, and it could seat 34,000 people. And we, we, this was because of the, of the growing crowds. And so we, it took a while to get that together. It took a long time to erect it, as you can imagine. And, uh, I mean, hang on to this. We used it once, and it, it was actually in, in Harare, Zimbabwe, and it was packed. And we were happy. The next crusade, uh, uh, about three or four months later, was, was uh, scheduled to be in Blantyre, Malawi. That's a country to the north of Zimbabwe. And I, when the tent was, the, the engineers were there surveying to get the tent up. And then I started hearing, we started hearing reports. They said, you know, this tent is going to be too small. I said, get a life. What are you talking about? We've only used it once. Well, the rumors were correct. And in fact, we decided not to use the tent. We had an open air crusade. And in that crusade, our count of the crowd, and I count the crowds myself, was a, in the largest meeting on the Sunday night was 150,000 people standing shoulder to shoulder in the open air receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it just went from that moment on. We actually never pitched the tent again. We never had another crusade that would have fitted into the tent. Uh, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. We, shortly after that, we were in Mbujumai in, in what is now the Democratic Congo, Republic of Congo. It was Zaire. We had in one meeting 356,000 people. My count, by the way, the locals said it's a million. And, you know, I don't blame them. And, Neil, this just kept growing and growing and growing over the next years until we saw these huge, huge numbers of, of people coming to the events in West Africa. Uh, eventually, the largest uh, single uh, crowd in a meeting that we, we had was 1.6 million. Once again, my count, the local people said it's 5 million. And like I said, I don't blame them, but we know how to count. And it, it was in that meeting that we saw over a million people receive Jesus Christ as their Savior in one single meeting. And it just went from glory to glory to glory. And we ourselves were, are amazed and were amazed and still are amazed at seeing what God is doing at this time. And some people will be thinking, hearing numbers like that, which are really quite unimaginable. But uh, I might <laughs> just say, and uh, you can confirm this, uh, there are many, many videos that listeners today could watch on YouTube uh, with a sea of beautiful African faces as far as the eye can see. So uh, when listeners think, uh, you know, how can you even count 1.6 million people, uh, you, can, you can pan a camera across all the way to the horizon and uh, that might not give you accurate figures either but uh, but those sorts of things yeah. they are it's not only documented on the numbers of people that have said i'm making a decision for christ but those videos uh, they they do That's actually true. show uh, people anywhere in the world who are interested to look that this actually does happen Indeed, you're absolutely right. And, and anybody looking at the videos, and I would encourage them to do that, will see that the crowd are not sitting down on the ground or sitting on chairs or sitting on anything. Those massive crowds, and I'm talking here acres or hectares, whichever one you want, of people stretching a, a kilometer into the distance. They're standing shoulder to shoulder because there's just no room to sit down. Such is the hunger 
for the gospel, people pouring in to come and hear the word of God. And these events, these crusades of ours, go for four or five days in a row, every night, with with meetings sometimes during the day, and uh, the the people just come because they hear what God is doing. And what needs to be said in any every one of these events, we have in, mostly in the numbers hundreds of participating churches, and often thousands. In fact, in the one crusade we had two thousand two hundred participating churches, and these churches bring the counselors, they they bring ushers, of course, and and, and people to help. But mainly they bring the, the personal workers and the counselors who handle the new converts, and those converts flood back into the local churches and churches that participate after the, the week's event. We, we receive reports of churches becoming four and five times bigger than they were, but more often than not, we, we, we hear of churches that open up four, five, and six branch churches right after the crusade. It's wonderful to see. We'll talk about a lot of different elements uh, through the rest of our conversation, but let me ask you here, Peter, and while there's just this wonderful rich history of what's happened uh, with Christ for All Nations in Africa, uh, when COVID broke out and uh, people began to uh, get uh, concerned about the spread of COVID, uh, I mentioned in the introduction uh, a million decisions for Christ, even in a past year, which is a COVID year. But what difference has it made to the gathering of crowds with the COVID uh, virus spreading around Africa? Well, yes, as soon as the COVID uh, virus uh, became uh, news and and, and was aware, everybody uh, took steps to avoid further contamination, including ourselves. We wanted to be responsible, like everybody else, to stop the spread of this this devilish uh, virus. Uh, and and uh, many, many countries in Africa that we, we had uh, um, scheduled to be at, their doors closed or they said, us, please delay your coming, and we agreed. But other countries r- remained open. Um, and and uh, so we went to those we, and in East Africa. And uh, we went and, and, and did events and crusades there. Uh, we and, and we saw the power of God move. And the interesting thing is that the, the people... Of course, precautions were taken, and, and people wore masks, and, and there was, uh, what do you call it, hand cleaning, even for the, the tens and hundreds of thousands of people coming, and it was all done in order, but the people came The people came to hear from God, to receive from God, and in fact, I think they even came more than before because of the, the anxiousness for the virus, and you know, we all felt, feel so helpless around this, this devilish thing, but the power of God is greater even than COVID, and we witnessed that, and as you correctly said, during the year when I, I think many, many uh, activities and including many ministries understandably just shut down completely. But by God's grace, there were some open doors and we went through them and, and, and with full responsibility and, and doing the best we could and saw people's lives change for eternity to the point of just under one million souls. You're absolutely correct. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. You're welcome to join in our conversation on 1-800-316-316. You can also join the conversation responding to today's 2020 Facebook question asking when you support world missions, do you prefer to back aid and church support initiatives or 
Evangelism Outreach? You can find that question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Our special guest is Peter Vandenberg. He's Vice President of Christ for All Nations. Peter, it's just a couple of years now since Reinhard Bonnke uh, was elevated to heaven, as some people will say. He died That's a right. couple of years <laughs> ago. and uh, But right. it had been something like eight years that Daniel Kalender had taken over from Reinhardt when Reinhardt decided to pass the baton on to a new leader. You were there in those transition times 10 years ago. Uh, yes. What happened uh, with that transition time? Did you lose any momentum? Well, it's, it's a good question because uh, what, you, what we're talking about here, uh, a ministry uh, leadership succession, is something that uh, uh, baffles most uh, ministries, actually, and, and uh, is very difficult to get right. Now, and, and it was a, just a little more than 10 years ago, uh, in, in, the, in the heyday of our ministry, where things were just going so great, and then Ryan had said, you know, we need to encourage uh, young men. We need to find a young man that can, can, can come alongside and that can mentor to take over the reins. And of course, that's, what, that's highly commendable, and this is what uh, we did. We, we found one guy, we, and he looked, he looked good. We tried him. He eventually was preaching some of the big crusades with hundreds of thousands of people just doing one of the meetings. Things. And but it, it one for one reason or another it didn't work out and he said he felt it wasn't for him and he, and uh, then we tried again and it didn't work out and you know we eventually I I kind of encouraged Ryan I said Ryan you have many successes there are scores of of men and women who who've taken the model that you've shown that CFAN is and even then at that time we were already preaching and doing evangelism and seeing people say I said these are your successes and we, we, we kind of put the thing to bed because it just wasn't working and when we'd forgotten about it and this is often how it works for the Holy Spirit suddenly a young man appeared he was a church planter working in Florida and uh, he needed to to do something during the week to support his wife and, and, and baby. Uh, and uh, somebody said, go and ask CFAN. They love evangelists. See if you can work in the warehouse or something. And he did that. And he came, and I don't know what he did. He packed DVDs on whatever that we had at the time. And uh, and there he was. And then one day, we were, Ryan and I were on our way to our next crusade, and the guy that was assisting him, his young personal assistant, w- couldn't go for whatever reason. I think he, he was, I don't know what it was. He just couldn't go. I think his wife was, was not well. And so Ryan said, is there anybody else? And one of our guys said, yes, there's this man, this young man called Daniel Kalender. Let him go along. And Daniel Kalender, who up to then I didn't really know, I guess Ryan too, he came along and then he was kind of just a PA on the trip. But what happened is often uh, during uh, these massive crusades with hundreds of thousands of people in the meeting, if there were young evangelists there or young preachers right, to encourage them, Ryan would say to select ones, before I preach, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to give a short gospel shot. Just don't make an altar call, but hand it back to me and I'll preach and, and, and close the bag and finish the job. And he, we had, he'd done this with quite a few people. He said, you could take photographs and, and, and use them to, to boost your own ministry. And, and, so, and then he said, you think we should give Daniel Kalender a go? I said, sure, why not? You know? And Daniel said, hey, you've got 10 minutes. Don't make an altar call and hand it back to Reinhardt. And when Daniel got up and gave his what shall I call it, his 10-minute gospel shot. It was the best we had ever heard. And Ryan and I looked at each other and said, wow. Ryan put him on again the next night for his 10 minutes. It was great. And I think he did three in that crusade. And we knew 
there was something special about this man, that somehow the anointing of God was upon him. And during this time, Ryan had always said about a successor, and, and I quote him now, he says, the anointed must be appointed or you will be disappointed, <laughs> which is a good statement because many, many ministers, you know, choose their son or a grandson or a relative and say, you come and take over and, and you can understand they, their desire, but it, it very seldom works. Reinhardt never did that. He's a German. Daniel Kinnan is American, but we felt something on him. And from that day on, Daniel came to other events, and, and, and then he ran to preach a whole meeting, and then two meetings. And eventually, uh, 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 Ranit would preach one meeting, and Dan would preach the rest of the crusade. And then as the, the momentum grew, and we see the power of God was with Daniel, people were getting saved, people were getting healed, people were being delivered, and the power of God was moving. Eventually, Ranit didn't even come to a crusade anymore, and Daniel carried it, and it's just gone on like that until today we actually now are seeing a multiplication in what God is doing it's it's a truly incredible it is an amazing story and uh, for listeners yes. there might be some who want to comment on that and you've got some aspirations mm-hmm. to serve God and in Christian ministry well here's Daniel working as a storeman in the warehouse at Christ for all nations <laughs> gets invited along to come to a crusade uh, Ten minutes you've got to warm up the crowd, basically, I suspect the, that ten minutes message was. And uh, that's the launch of becoming the successor uh, for Reinhard Bonnke. And, of course, uh, ten years now he's been in the role where he's been the leader. He's been the main evangelist. Uh, ten years, can you recount any sort of, you know, successes, numbers, I mean, you know, numbers yes. aren't everything, but often we think of numbers if we're trying yeah, to assess yeah. what's happened. So yeah. what's happened numbers-wise since Daniel took over? Well, the numbers are important, and they're important for two reasons. First of all, they give us an indication of, of what's happening, if anything, and numbers can tell us that. And the second reason they're important is numbers can be exaggerated and uh, and used wrongly. And we have always said, in fact, I quote Reinhardt again, he said, exaggeration is just another form of lying. So from the very get-go, we've said we will count the crowd because we want to know for, sh- for ourselves how many were there, for our follow-up and for our publicity to see how we're doing. So we, we counted. And so, yes, to answer your question, uh, we used to keep the separate numbers when Dan uh, took over. Uh, we don't, they're all together now, but I can tell you, and I've got them here in front of me, that in, in the 10-year period, uh, nine-year period, sorry, in the nine-year period when Arana had no more longer preached, but Daniel preached, in those nine years, he, we saw under his ministry in the Christ for Nations Crusades, 22,980,000 people received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Daniel was at that time, I don't know, 36 years of age, something like that. <laughs> Wow. So uh, we're talking 22,980,000 under Daniel's uh, preaching ministry here. Now, when we talk about, uh, look, look, we'll we'll talk, I want to talk to you about miracles, and you mentioned deliverance and what happens to people uh, when there's uh, hundreds of thousands at a crusade, and we will talk about that, and their listeners might be uh, wanting to talk about that sort of thing too, but let's take a call. Carol is on the line in New South Wales. Hello, Carol. Welcome. Good. Thank you so much. 
And uh, God bless you, uh, Peter Vandenberg. I was just looking at a, a picture of you with uh, darker hair at a <laughs> breakfast in South Africa. And from the book of Reinhard Bonnke, an autobiography, Living a Life of Fire. What an awesome 630-page ride that is. And uh, there's yeah. a number of books, I guess, that Reinhardt wrote, but Living a Life of Fire, yes. uh, these sorts of books do inspire the multitudes, don't they? Well, absolutely, yes. That that, that book, Living a Life of Fire, it's, it's his it's autobiography, and it's faith-building. It's not just a story of, of some guy's life. You know, many people get all of it. It's a huge book, as, as, as our friend on the phone has just said. But many have got it and said, you know what? I couldn't put the thing down. I read for, right into the early hours of the morning. So gripping is it and faith building. So I would recommend to anybody, read it. You will be blessed. Carol, let me ask you, you've obviously mm-hmm. read the book. Did it do anything for your faith? Well, I was married to a wonderful man, I've spoken to you before, who was 32 years older than me. Uh, His first wife died, I was his second wife, and he was a great friend of uh, Billy Graham and Oral Roberts. So I've had great founding and many miracles in my life, and I've been to China and I work amongst the Muslims here. I brought many Muslim women to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I've had death threats and so on, but I'm not afraid of man, but I do have a good holy fear of the Lord. And I want to, I, I lean towards evangelism. If you can get people saved, then they can trust God for looking after their welfare. And this book uh, would rocket anyone from earth to the third heaven. It is a marvelous book. <laughs> of faith and trust, and especially he was a little bit of a black sheep. His dad uh, preferred Peter because he was an intellectual and kind of uh, his pastor father, and he was a little bit hard on Reinhardt, and it was very difficult. But thanks be unto God, uh, as, as, as Peter knows, Peter Vandenberg knows, that um, uh, his dad did be on the stage when Reinhardt preached, and uh, that was a wonderful thing. But it is a wonderful book of praise to God. And I love the way Reinhardt always gives glory to God. Wonderful stuff. Carol, thank you so much for your call. We're about to break for news. I wonder whether, Peter, uh, we can talk about miracles for a few moments. There are some people who doubt that God still does miracles today. When I said that listeners could look at YouTube clips of mass evangelism events in Africa, uh, you've also got well-documented and filmed miracles happening before people's eyes. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts here about what happens when those crusades are happening and the, the presence of the miraculous when the gospel is preached. Yes, I would love to say something. You know, firstly... Um, we are evangelists, which means we preach the gospel to see people saved. So we don't call our crusades healing crusades. They're, evan- they're salvation crusades, they're evangelism. People hear the gospel, their lives change. They change from the way they lived and they follow Jesus. But Jesus himself said that we should all pray for the sick and they will be healed in, in Jesus' name. And so we do that. We, just at the end of the, the, the crusade meetings each night, after the, the uh, response to the salvation has been handled and the uh, counselors of the personal workers have filled out 
the, the documents and forms that the people who've responded have got. Then we pray from the platform one prayer for all those there who are sick and, and uh, mention them as we feel prompted by the Holy Spirit and, and break the power of, of, uh, of sickness. And, and, and we do it according to the word of God in the name of Jesus. And then right after that prayer, uh, Daniel, Ryan used to do it, and now, of course, Daniel does it, says to people, now, uh, just do what you couldn't do before. If you couldn't walk, walk. If you couldn't see, open your eyes, have a look, see. Uh, if you had a pain, feel, look around, see what's happening. And, and if you feel something has happened, then come forward, bring a, a witness with you, a relative or a friend who can vouch that you were ill, bring them, and we want to give glory to God for what God has done. Now, that sounds very, very simple, but I tell you, every time, every evening after that prayer, there, there is, what can I call it, an, an outbreak of the miraculous. I mean, you know, the crowd is quite quiet uh, after the prayer, and, and there's a little bit sort of low-level talking. You can hear people are checking each other, and then it, suddenly there's an eruption of cheering and jumping and shouting, and then and over on the other side, another one, and who knows what happened. Somewhere a blind person has been healed, somewhere a, a, a crippled person is walking, uh, and, and then they start bringing them forward. Often you see crutches held up in the air as somebody walks forward through the crowd, or a wheelchair passed above the heads of the people, and it's just amazing. And those people come forward and give testimony with a witness that knows them and, and, and can say that it's, it's that vouch for them and about what has happened. And this is a wonderful witness to others. And, and the, the healing doesn't stop, by the way, after the prayer. From the platform, Daniel would say, listen, the, God doesn't just heal in a minute like a, like a lottery or a lucky dip. He's healing all the time. Some of you may not have been healed immediately. You'll be healed as you walk home. You'll be healed as you lie in your bed tonight or when you wake up tomorrow morning. Come back and tell us. And this happens all week over and over and over again. And as you correctly said... You don't have to take my word for it. Get onto YouTube, and there are some amazingly, uh, amazing miracles documented. We follow them up with our video guys. Sometimes, uh, often, they return uh, weeks later and go to these people and see what what happened. How are you now? What's happening? Talk to their medical doctors, and all of this to give glory to God. Of course, signs and wonders, these miracles, they do happen all over the world. They happen here in Australia too, and so often in so many church services that are happening in every city and town right around Australia. They don't get the same prominence though because it's very much more noticeable if you've got a crowd of 100 or 200 or 500,000 people and uh, people come forward and uh, they can testify to their healing. It becomes almost a part of the event. It becomes a spectacle and sometimes some people might say well you know the spectacle has the opportunity to uh, overwhelm the message but I don't think that's the case because these are the sorts of things you expect after the preaching of the gospel Peter. Yes, that's absolutely correct, and 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 uh, the the word of God says that that uh, healing is a sign to the unbeliever, and many who come skeptically, you know, skeptical, and 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 and, and they say, oh, I don't know, don't believe this. It's just it's all just religious trickery, and and when they see the power of God at work, they know something happened. I, I think of one occasion uh, in Nigeria when a very wealthy uh, Nigerian man who who was a Muslim 
uh, and, and they were well known in the community. He drove a, a nice S class Mercedes. He was a rich guy. And he had a daughter who was stone deaf from birth. And his wife, all Muslims, of course, she said they heard the miracles that were happening in the crusade. She said, Take the daughter. No, he said, I'm a Muslim. She said, Listen, what have you got to lose? Take the daughter. And, and she persuaded him. He said, Look, I will go. I'll take our, the nanny with, and, and I will stay in the car and I'm going to listen to my radio with the windows shut and the aircon running, and she can sit outside with a, with a, with a girl and, and listen, and then I'm coming home. And, well, he, he didn't listen to the message. He listened to his radio. I'm, I don't know what it was, but at the end of the, the message, Dan prayed, be healed, and then suddenly the, 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 the nurse, his nurse girl, was banging on the window. Sir, sir, sir. And he opened what? He said, girl can hear. The girl, and he, what? And he got out, and sure enough, she could hear. In fact, she was beside herself because of the sound, you know. And, and, and then the nurse said to him, you got, they're saying you must come and give glory to God and, and, and testify. And, the, and he, he came up with the nurse and the girl, and he's in his full Muslim garb. You know, it's, ob, it's, it's obvious to his background. And he stood on the platform, and, and he said, I didn't hear anything. I was I'm not a believer. I didn't want to hear it. I sat in the car. But God has healed my, my daughter. And, and that guy right there on the platform, said, I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and uh, wonderful. This happens over and over again. In fact, if, you, if people are listening, one of these miracles, also a Muslim guy, is on YouTube. His name is Muhammad, um, of course, and he was a deaf guy, healed right in the crusade, and you can hear his testimony, and you can see him change his, his uh, belief and his faith right on the platform as Dan is talking to him. You look for it on YouTube, you will be blessed. Wow. And uh, Mohammed, not an unusual <laughs> name for a Muslim, but uh, a, no doubt a very powerful image to see. Hey, you know, miracles yeah. for some, even some Christian believers who are a little more secular in their thinking are reluctant to believe that these things happen. And, and that's okay, isn't it, to have a, a doubt or two. But it gets even more controversial when you start to talk about the idea of deliverance. So you have one healing yeah. on one hand, deliverance on the other. But in some sense, they go hand in hand at a, a mass outreach like you do. Uh, give us a little insight here. I don't know whether you even try to tell the difference between what happens when someone is healed or when someone is delivered. But take us into this other little more controversial element here, Peter, because uh, this <laughs> is something that happens yeah. in your crusades as well. Yes, and, and it's it's actually, uh, for us, it's no big uh, big deal, actually. And it's easy to tell the difference. You know, in Africa, um, it, it, unlike our Western societies, where, where we, we're so secular and, and, uh, and, and un, unspiritual that we just hardly believe anything. But the African people, you don't have to convince them that there are spiritual forces. And the reason is, it's not a, a good reason. The reason is they are oppressed and, and punished by the evil that's around them, the witchcraft and witch doctors and, and, and uh, uh, manipulate the people and people are, are afraid and, and uh, they, they're victims of these things. So they are aware of it. So when we preach the gospel and, and say the power of the blood of Jesus breaks the, the, the power of the Satan over you and demons and sets you free, and then people respond to that and they say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to believe that. And in, without us doing anything specific, very, very often in those moments, those demons or those forces, whatever you want to call them, oppressing and possessing people, leave them. And people 
I don't know, they sometimes display that. They, they fall on the ground and kick around or they froth at the mouth or scream. And, you know, we don't, we're not disturbed. In fact, we say, look, when they're making noise, it's because the demons are leaving. And we have a, a special ministry section where the people are taken and, and the local pastors and some of our people pray with them and, and see them through to full deliverance and they go home. Sometimes this happens, depending where we are, hundreds and hundreds of times over, it's not even a big occasion for us. We actually don't even draw attention to it because people are being set free. And afterwards, when our video crews go to these people and say, how was it? You, you hear their testimonies. They'll say, I, I came from darkness to life, to light. I came from unbelief to faith. I came from oppression to freedom. And even sometimes witch doctors themselves have come to curse us, to curse Dan, you know, to, and, and, uh, and they've seen the power of God in action, and they themselves have come up and said, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And we might marvel that these sorts of spiritual <laughs> activities are, in fact, subject to the name of Jesus. And this is, I'll get yes. you to perhaps even uh, testify here, because uh, hearing it from your lips, Peter, uh, quite a powerful testimony. The name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, uh, all of those other spiritual <laughs> identities and entities, they, they are subject to that great name. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, uh, that, that's, not, uh, that's not a good luck thing. It's not a talisman. It, it's the Word of God. And that name is a, a name above all names. It's the name by which we are saved. It's the name by which we are delivered. And demon forces are subject to that. Even healing comes not because we're great guys or because we're religious or because we're ordained. It comes in the name of Jesus. And the, the, the power in the name of Jesus, because He, the sinless one, took all our guilt, shed his blood, and paid the price for our deliverance. And that includes healing. It includes salvation. It includes deliverance. And it's all, you're absolutely right, it's in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, if anybody, if, if anyone is listening and you feel oppressed and troubled by things that you don't understand, I say to you, there's one quick, foolproof, totally perfect way out. Call on the name of Jesus. Wonderful stuff. Let's come back to, uh, we've been talking about Reinhard Bonnke. Uh, we've been talking about his successor, Daniel Kalender. And uh, the goal that Daniel has uh, to reach 150 million and uh, win those souls for Christ in the coming years. But there's a different succession plan in place uh, for Christ for all nations. <laughs> and, and this might surprise uh, listeners, but uh, there's the idea of having these particular boot camps where you are, in fact, now trying to raise up mass evangelists and you've got a goal to raise up 20,000 mass evangelists. So no one successor likely to follow in Daniel Kalender's footsteps here, but you're looking for 20,000. You've got a boot camp that's just started yesterday in the US and there are even some Aussies there, Peter. Give us some insight here into what's going on. Yes, the, the, you're absolutely right. The, the whole idea of this comes from the, the uh, Daniel felt that the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, in the next decade, we want to bring the total saved of people to 150 million. We're already, as you said earlier, just over, uh, just under 82 million, 81 million, 890,000 at the moment. And so, uh, but it, it was at that time, it was much lower. And so he, he said he realized that we're not going to do this. We're not going to achieve this by addition. In other words, by doing more crusades or more and bigger crusades, this needs to be a process of multiplication. And then 
we began with this whole training process of training other like-minded people who feel a call of God, but feel inadequate to do the job, feel a call of God to be evangelists, preach the gospel, but really don't know how to do it. And we call upon those people. There's a selection process. It's a really tough selection process, by the way. And they can come into boot camp and, uh, and train. The boot camp runs for three months. It's intense. It starts five o'clock in the morning. It involves all sorts of disciplines. It involves practical instruction. It, it involves going out onto the streets right here in Orlando, preaching the gospel. It eventually ends up on initiation somewhere in Africa, East Africa, right now, Tanzania or Kenya or Ethiopia, where people, they will, for three weeks, they will preach the gospel. They will organize their own events and our people will be there to watch them, to help them. And, and after that, that they will be launched into the preaching the gospel wherever and however they can uh, in Jesus' name. And so boot camp is on. You're right. We just started one right now. And it's called boot camp. Yeah, I know that's a military terminology, but it's very appropriate because, you know, Neil, most educational institutions, including Christian ones, you come, you pay your money, you do the course, you pass the exam, they give you a big pretty certificate and, and off you go home. And then they say, they bring another lot in. It's not like that with boot camp. This is not just for education. This is learning how to do it. And, and the students who graduate, they have an ongoing relationship with us. Not that they necessarily work for Christ for Nations, although many do, sometimes for us, sometimes on their own. We sometimes help them. And so the situation is that already hundreds, and as soon as it will be thousands, hundreds already of evangelists are out and about all over the place, right as we sit here now. They're working here in Orlando. They, they're working in Tanzania. They're working in Finland. They're working in Germany. They're working in the United Kingdom. And as you said, we have some Aussies on board as well. In the, both previous camps, boot camps, we had Aussies, a number of them. I, want, I only have some names. So I don't want to just mention some and not all of them. But re, they've graduated. Two of them right now are in uh, Tanzania and Africa preaching the gospel from one of our gospel trucks. And uh, others uh, are on their way back to Aussie and are going to be preaching there. And uh, we invite, and others are just starting right now. The, the boot camp started yesterday. We have 140 students this time. And uh, there are a good number of Aussies in there as well who have said, yes, I'm coming. I'm answering the call of God. And it, it's life changing and it's multiplication. We will see eventually thousands of evangelists and as they go on into their work with evangelism, we, we stay in relationship with them. We help them. We, they come back to us for uh, advice. We help them with contacts. We, they raise their own funds. Sometimes we help them with funds. And it's a whole huge, huge uh, exercise in cooperation for the sake of the gospel. I believe it's quickly turning into the greatest evangelism move in the history of the church. I said at the beginning of this conversation this may be an inspiration. It may also be confronting. I might uh, just hear a few uh, hearts being challenged here. My church doesn't sound that disciplined. Uh, you're taking the ministry very, very seriously here, Peter, and that's what's an, insp an inspiration. You've also yes. got this idea of satellite boot camps. And uh, while we're talking yes. about the, training those people there uh, where you are in Orlando, Florida, uh, you've got some plans for South Africa and for Brazil. And uh, so yes. reaching out around the world where there are opportunities for mass evangelism. I imagine that becomes part of, part of the priority, people to reach en masse. 
Absolutely, it is the priority. And the boot camp graduates are trained in all types of outreach. They're relentless. They're trained in one-to-one witnessing. They're trained in speaking to five people, 10 people, 20 people, organized events, events that are not organized. In fact, two days ago, I heard some of our boot camp graduates who'd come now for the beginning to help with the beginning of the next camp. They were down town uh, and they started preaching the gospel somewhere here in Orlando. This is America, Orlando, right? And they preached the gospel. Young people got saved and they were baptizing them in the car park. They had a, I don't know what it is, looked like a horse trough to me, <laughs> full of water. And they were baptizing them in the, in the middle of the car park. We're talking Orlando here, America, and the, the power of God moving, young people saying, yes, I've, I've received Jesus. I'm being saved. And so they trained in that they're also trained to preach in marketplaces. They, they even do that as part of the initiation. They're trained to preach from our gospel trucks. They're trained to preach in what we call satellite crusades and even in what we call sponsorship crusades, which are full-blown, full-size crusades that some of the, of the guys will organize themselves, raise their own money. We will help with, with maybe technical backup or organization, sometimes even a little on the financial side. And all of these are happening at the same time right now and every day while we're sitting here in orlando every day souls are being saved and we're hearing the stories people being healed people being delivered in africa in finland across the world and this is the vision for the future and it's growing every single day and anyone listening who says wow you know uh, this sounds tough but i i'm ready for that if you're ready for it get onto our website look at Boot camp and see if you can make the selection process. That's also tough, by the way. And you do have an office here in Australia, so there's a, a place for Aussies to connect to with Christ for All Nations. Uh, I'll give the the main website, which is your global website. But as I understand it, you can uh, you can simply uh, you can click on uh, one of the drop down menu there and find the Australian office. Uh, cfan.org. Cfan. That stands for Christ for All Nations. Cfan.org. And uh, no doubt connecting with what's happening with the uh, wonderful ministry of Christ for All Nations. And no doubt uh, they'd like an extra prayer partner or perhaps a financial supporter in any way that you're able to be a part of it. So you might want to be one of those 20,000 mass evangelists that are the goal for raising those up in the coming times. Uh, cfan.org.au. I'll just mention too, uh, Carol, we had on earlier, mentioned the autobiography, Living a Life of Fire. No doubt you can get that through the CFAN website as well. Yes. Or, or you'll be able to find it uh, just anywhere you can find online books. But uh, Peter Vandenberg, uh, just wonderful getting your insights. I want to thank you so much for taking some time, sharing your heart with us, staying up a little later this evening in Florida, talking to us here in the morning. Uh, Peter, uh, Vice President, Christ for All Nations, cfan.org. Peter, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been a joy to be uh, on Christian Vision Media. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.